The other big agenda item today, of course, is uh, the one involving ACO's boss, Mike Burgess, who's issued that stark warning uh, of a terrorist attack on home soil is possible. Uh, but it's the risk of espionage from internal and foreign interference, uh, which he says is certain. Not only that, he's revealed a former politician had fallen under the spell of foreign spies. Uh, it's been a, um, a sobering and a fascinating assessment that was delivered by Mike Burgess. And to break it all down and, and help us understand it a bit more and the implications from it, Michael Shoebridge, who's the founder of um, director and director of Strategic Analysis Australia, who we've chatted to many times on the show. Good to have you on, Michael, again. Thanks very much, Bill. Uh, firstly, your assessment of um, ASIO's uh, latest list of terror and espionage risk. What do you make of it? Well, I was there listening to the ASIO chief, Mike Burgess, deliver this last night. And before he spoke, he put a short uh, film up of all the horrible things that have happened in our world since he spoke last year. So there was uh, the Ukraine war, the Middle East uh, war, uh, and a whole lot of domestic protests in Australia and elsewhere. And then he backed up that short film by talking to us very directly, including about politicians, not just one, but two, uh, working for foreign spy agencies against Australia's interests. Did that surprise you? Were you aware of that, or was that a, a new revelation for you and for everyone in the room? Well, I have seen uh, former politicians... Uh, being duchessed by foreign agencies, you know, told that they're so incredibly intelligent and their insights are so valuable and given trips and other um, sort of uh, paid um, hospitality and other things. So it wasn't a, a big shock. It's shocking that it's gone even further, though, and that a former politician thought it was a great idea to introduce the foreign spy agency's handlers to someone in a prime minister's family. Should this person, I think they should be, should they be named and, uh, and outed for this? As um, we've heard uh, this morning, that it, it, until we know the identity, it casts a shadow of doubt over so many people. Well, it does. And I, I think the problem is so many of our politicians wouldn't touch this kind of thing with a barge pole. But obviously, at least two of them have, according to the ASIO chief. Now, I don't think it's the ASIO boss's job to name politicians and prosecute them. But I do think our most senior law officer, the Attorney General, and the Federal Police and the Deputy, um, the, the Director of Public Prosecutions should bring a prosecution against this individual and they should use ASIO's evidence. Mm. Well, Joe Hockey, the former Treasurer and the former Ambassador in the US, said that he's been asked about it by, um, by politicians and, and people that he, he deals with over in the States. And they're basically saying, well, who is this? How do we know we can trust who we're talking to? So that's the, the issue that it has on a, on a broader sense internationally. Yeah, I agree, Bill. I think it's corrosive for trust in our politicians and not just foreigners wondering who they can trust, but Australians thinking that. So I think it's in the public interest to bring a prosecution against this politician. And the second one, Mike Burgess talked about a young politician willing to sell insights about internal party dynamics and their views about elections to a foreign spy agency. This, these things have been crimes under Commonwealth law since 1914. Mm. Are we talking uh, predominantly with Russian and, and Chinese links here? Where are we talking? 
you've already detailed some of the things they've been trying to ascertain from them. Well, the two biggest um, spy actors that target Australia are China and Russia, and China overwhelms Russia with the number of uh, spies and its amount of cyber intrusion. Now, I'll give you just a short list of some of their major intelligence agencies that do this kind of thing. The Ministry of State Security, the Ministry of Public Security, the United Front Work Department, and the Chinese military's intelligence arms. So they're competing, falling over each other to cultivate Australian politicians and officials, and they would absolutely be in the frame for this. And what are they using to try and uh, encourage and and persuade these former politicians, for instance, to to turn on the country, I guess, and um, and become traitors? What sort of inducements? A lot of it is ego. So, you know, Gareth Evans talked about relevance deprivation syndrome. When you step out of a powerful role, whether it's a political role or a senior uh, official role, you feel like no one cares about you anymore and your power's gone. But if a foreign spy agency sidles up to you and tells you how much they're impressed by your sparkling intellect and they really need mm. your insights and it'd be so valuable to them, that flattery combined with some cash can often do the job. Yeah, okay. Well, it's, uh, it's a bit frightening to think of that. What about um, what we also heard um, from Mike Burgess about the, the potential for attacks being uh, the threat is real, the threat is now, and the threat is deeper and broader than you might think with espionage yeah, as well? well well, with on terrorism, he said the most dangerous threat uh, of a terrorist attack in Australia comes from Sunni terrorism. And that uh, is groups like Hamas that have big supporter networks uh, in countries including Australia. And also, well, let's not forget Islamic State, a very murderous Sunni terrorist outfit that actually conducted a deadly attack, killing about 80 people in Iran uh, just a little while ago. So... He was making the point that while he looks at these big espionage and cyber efforts from places like China, um, he can't drop the ball on uh, lone terrorist attacks from Sunni terrorists. Are we uh, are we capable of, of intercepting and dealing with this sort of threat? And uh, we've also got the what we see happening with protests uh, regarding the situation that obviously happened um, with Israel and Palestine and the Gaza Strip from October 7. Uh, that's, that's an ongoing threat. Yes, and, you know, that threat is right in the middle of the Australian community. You can see just in the, in the protest, there's a lot of anger in the community and terrorist groups use that anger to radicalise people and get them to shift from just protesting to acting violently. So that's that's the problem um, from the terrorist point of view. I think a, a problem is ASIO is stretched pretty thinly. And the other thing is not to go too far. You know, open protest is a good thing in our country and debate where people say uncomfortable things is a good thing. But when people move to violence or try to uh, subvert our political system by you know, bribing and getting politicians to work for them, that is when it becomes illegal. We know that uh, militarily and our navy we're exposed there. We're under under resourced and undermanned. It's is this a concern that we may be under under resourced and undermanned here on this front as well? So that we're exposed uh, yes. again on both fronts. Well, we've, we have been very complacent about the world that Australia is in. 
Uh, the, the level of investment into our military capacity is growing, but the number of people that want to serve in our military is falling, and that's partly because they just don't have the best tech, the best things that others are using. So we need to change that, and we need to stop being complacent about the kind of world we're in. We've got a lot of really capable partners and allies, but we need to be capable ourselves, and that takes money, and it takes a government that makes it a priority. Mm, yeah, it's certainly not happening at the moment. Although well, we notice now, and this is a question I was keen to ask you this morning. I know there's another six um, Australians will send another six toward to the Red Sea to support mainly the I think the US and UK in protecting the uh, the Red Sea uh, international shipping um, shipping channels. Uh, so that uh, we've already got sixteen working behind the scenes there. So. We're going to be more involved in that. Does that put a bigger target? I mean, is this getting to what you talked about, that we're part of it whether people think we are or not? Well, we're part of it, but frankly, that is not a real contribution. Uh, the one thing that our military has done well has been to grow huge headquarters and senior-ranked officials. So we've got more headquarters staff per capita than anybody on the planet. We've certainly got some spare people to send into staff jobs in the Red Sea mission. But what the Americans and UK want is what countries like Germany are doing. They want warships that can help deal with drones and missiles and keep international shipping secure. Mm, okay. What about, uh, I wanted to ask you about AI as well. Uh, and in terms of, there's been a lot of coverage and a lot, of, lot more talk about um, its impact these days on, on not only on, on security, democratic security, but Ukraine's national security advisors warned that Russian spies are developing uh, AI tools uh, to meddle in elections in Britain and the US on a, on a scale, I think, to quote them, was exponentially greater than ever before. What can you tell us about AI in that sense? Well, AI is really capable now. You know, I use it with my tiny little think tank to make incredibly good images really quickly. You can easily now make fake videos of anyone on the planet saying what you want them to say. And if you think about the 2016 American election, um, things that were true that circulated rapidly had a really big effect. But if you can make anything up at all you like, the problem is the person that tells the story first leads the news. And after that, it's everybody denying that it's true. So AI can really shape people's thinking by getting outrageous lies out there looking credible fast. Mm. And is, uh, are the Russians using this in the war in Ukraine? I was reading about, I think it was Clearview, using it to identify where perhaps Ukrainian uh, hostages or, or civilians may be uh, sheltering and by, uh, by using technology to identify faces? Well, that's certainly possible, you know, facial recognition, but also just doing mass data analysis. So if you've got a whole lot of cell phone pings uh, in a particular place, that'll tell you there's a, a concentration of people there. That can help you target where you fire your 155mm artillery shells or your missiles or your drones. So, yes, it's being used in war right now. Uh, a US general recently said 
Uh, he wants US military people to not carry their cell phones around with them because it makes them all a target. Mm. And AI helps make sense mm. of huge amounts of data like that. Yeah, okay. Um, it's alarming, isn't it? Before I let you go, I always try to get your view on an update on the two uh, hot situations, uh, the hot spots with conflict. Let's first of all get your impressions on where Ukraine is at and where it's heading and then uh, about the situation between Israel and the Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. So the Ukraine war, I don't think it's as dire as the wave of Russian misinformation about Ukrainian lack of will uh, would would make people think. That is a it's a case where AI and digital information is trying to actively mislead people. But the Europeans need to just give the Ukrainians a whole lot more military stuff, a whole lot faster than they have been. It was great to have the uh, Prime Minister of Denmark say she was supplying her military's own artillery and the shells with it, not just trying to get stuff off production lines. Of course, Australia could do that too with stuff mm. we're retiring, like M1 tanks. So uh, I think the Ukrainians are holding up, but they need supplies urgently. Um, the Middle East war, there's nothing that's going to stop Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu from sending the Israeli military into Rafah and Khan Yunus, last remaining strongholds of Hamas terrorists. They've probably um, killed uh, or captured a giant chunk of Hamas actual uh, terrorist organisation, but the leadership and the rest are in those places. And obviously the humanitarian side of that is the hardest bit. Yeah. Uh, are either likely to spread more further to the involve others in the international community and escalate in that regard? I still think that Hezbollah, which is the bigger terrorist proxy of Iran's and has its own reasons uh, to want to destroy Israel, and Iran itself don't want a broader war, they're quite happy to have Hamas take all of the casualties and the Palestinian people take all of the majority of the casualties. And they're also very happy to have their Houthi uh, proxies fire off missiles and make the UK and US look weaker than we would like. So I think we'll see more of the same from them. Uh, but the Israeli military will finish what they've started. Mm, all right, one out of left field before I let you go. Uh, Donald Trump, he's uh, won all the primaries. He's uh, unopposed by the look of it and will be the Republican candidate for the presidency in this year's election in November. What would it mean if he's back in the White House? Well, Donald Trump doesn't know what he will do on any given issue on any given day. So anyone who tells you they know what Donald Trump's going to do if he becomes the US president in November um, is, is misleading you. I do think it's going to make the Australia-US relationship much less predictable, much res less reliable, and we'll need to work harder with all the other people in, in powerful roles in America uh, to kind of cope with the, the uh, uncertainties of Donald Trump. But uh, it's not just Australia that's going to have that problem. The whole of NATO, for example, just to pick one, is already thinking, what can they do more for themselves given the unpredictabilities that Trump might bring? Fascinating times ahead. Always good to get your thoughts and expert opinion. I appreciate your time again, Michael. Thanks, Bill. Great to talk with you. Michael Shoebridge, the founder and director of Strategic Analysis Australia. Have you got a view on some of the things he said there? Gee, it's a mess, isn't it, really? Looking forward. Trump coming perhaps to the White House. We've got spies, rats in the ranks in terms of some of our former politicians. We've got uh, two hot spot conflicts around the world. Um, and we've got terror situation, an alert here in Australia, and we've got a military and defence force that's completely unprepared for it. And our intelligence agency is also stretched. 
Yeah, happy days, hey? 